Welcome to the Mommies to Fit podcast, Birth Story Friday. In today's episode, Holly is going to be sharing her unmedicated hospital birth after labor induction. Holly is also going to be sharing her postpartum story where she developed postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis that did result in an inpatient psychiatric treatment. In Holly's story, we do want to give a warning that she will be discussing thoughts of suicide and thoughts of harming her baby. She did receive inpatient psychiatric treatment, so she is thriving in motherhood now, but we felt it was really important to share her story on our podcast because her story is going to save someone's life. If you're experiencing new, severe, or persistent symptoms, call a healthcare provider. Those symptoms are most commonly seen in the first few weeks after a birth. They can occur anytime within the first year. Emotional, behavioral, and cognitive changes may be caused. You may be experiencing feelings such as sadness, anxiety, sleeping a lot or too little, eating too much or too less, having anxiety, irritation, and anger for no reason, sudden mood changes, difficulty remembering things, feelings of worthlessness, guilt, and hopelessness, recurrent thoughts of death and suicide, and feeling disconnected with your baby. If you're feeling any thoughts of death or suicide or thoughts of harming yourself or your baby, do seek immediate care at your nearest emergency facility. Welcome to the Mama Safe Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Safe Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to the Mama Stay Fit Podcast, Birth Story Fridays. Today we have Holly, who's going to be sharing her unmedicated hospital birth after a labor induction, and it was recommended by her provider for IUGR, which is intrauterine growth restriction. This is due to her baby was getting growth ultrasounds, and the percentile of baby's weight was slowly dropping over time of those ultrasounds. It could also be diagnosed if baby is like less than the fifth percentile for a long period of time, but usually the biggest indicator is that there is a drop in percentiles, and this could be that something is wrong with the placenta potentially, where baby is not able to grow at the normal expected rate due to that placenta not being able to transfer the needed nutrients for the baby to grow. So it's normally recommended to have that induction because baby potentially will do better on the outside rather than on the inside growth-wise. So this was the case with Holly. Her ultrasounds were showing that baby was dropping in the percentiles, and that is why they recommended this induction. We just wanted to share again that Holly will be sharing her postpartum journey where she dealt with postpartum depression that progressed to postpartum psychosis that required an inpatient stay. She wanted to share her story with the world so that if other people are feeling the same way, they can feel strong enough to go seek care to help themselves, especially with those intrusive thoughts of harming themselves or their baby. We're thankful that Holly reached out to come onto the podcast so that she can share a very vulnerable time in her life. She hopes by sharing her story, it will encourage others in a similar situation to seek help and potentially save their life. So thank you, Holly, for being here with us. We're really excited to hear your birth story and then also your postpartum journey. Thank you so much for having me. So how was your pregnancy and your preparation for birth? So I got pregnant pretty much like right away when 
we started trying. So we were surprised that it happened so quickly, but definitely excited. And so when I first found out I was pregnant, I was still going to like a traditional OB's office. And so I continued to just see her. It wasn't until about like my second trimester when I was going to visits and I just really felt unsupported. Like I would try and ask questions and I was kind of quickly rushed out the door. And then at a couple of visits, my husband just like wasn't allowed to come because of COVID. And so I was just feeling more anxious and she didn't give me any time at all to ask any questions. And so at that point, I reached out to my doula who I had already hired in my second trimester. And my doula was definitely part of my birth preparation team. So I went over to her house and talked to her about how unsupported I felt. And she was the one that introduced me to more of the midwifery model of care. So she told me about an office nearby and I started going there for my visits. And initially the first visit that I had, my husband was allowed to come and it was like night and day. They sat with me for like 20 or 30 minutes and just answered all my questions and made me feel a lot more at ease. My pregnancy was not complicated, I would say until maybe like the third trimester. For most of it, I felt really, really good. I had minimal symptoms and I actually had like these periodic feelings of like euphoria, which I had never really heard anybody talk about while they were pregnant. So I would just feel like super excited and happy and just like at ease and just excited about like being pregnant. And part of my preparation for birth was also going to yoga class. I was doing that once a week. And I was also going to see a chiropractor who was Webster certified and just helping me more with like some pelvic discomfort that I was having. We also did like hospital birth class, like the free class that was offered. And I was listening to the evidence-based birth podcast, and that was giving me like a lot of content. So in my third trimester is when I developed pretty bad hemorrhoids and I was just really uncomfortable and it was getting closer to my due date. And so one of my last visits, I had asked the midwife, like, what is going to happen to these hemorrhoids? Like when I start pushing, I was just afraid they were going to burst, just like pop. And she was like, no, they're not going to pop, but they're definitely going to get worse before they get better. And so she just like kind of tried to provide me with some reassurance. Like you just have a lot of extra weight you're carrying. There's a lot of pressure down there and they're just not going to go away until like the baby comes out and it's going to take some time. So I was just trying to deal with the discomfort and I was working full time. And so just like I sat a lot in my car because I was driving around and that was probably the most uncomfortable part of my pregnancy. And then towards the end of my pregnancy, they were measuring my, I think it's called like the fundal height. So they were just measuring like how big my belly was. And it was just measuring small for where I was supposed to be in my week of pregnancy. And that's kind of like what led to my birth. And so there was just like a lot of concerns with that. So tell us your birth story. How did your birth go? So at my 40-week appointment, it was the day before my due date, and I had, again, measured small for my stomach size, and so they wanted to do a growth ultrasound, so they did it right there in the office, and basically, they had told me that my baby was dropping below the normal percentile for where I was, so each ultrasound I had had, she had dropped like to a lower percentile, and now she was in the ninth percentile. And so the midwife came back into the room and I was just expecting like, okay, you can go home now like, and wait for labor to start. I wasn't expecting this bad news. And so she was like, 
the baby we think is just going to be better out than in. We think there might be something wrong with your placenta. Maybe that's why the baby is not growing as she should be. And so we think you need to be induced. And this was like totally shocking to me. And I just burst out crying in the office. And she looked surprised like that I was so emotional about it. But like my whole birth plan was that I wanted to go into labor naturally. I wanted to birth at home as long as possible. And I didn't you know, want to have to use any medication. So in my mind, I'm thinking if I have to be induced, my understanding of Pitocin is that it makes contractions more painful and just more intense. And I was scared that my baby was going to be like really small. And I was just nervous about her having health issues. And I also didn't want to be hooked up to machines. So I just felt really scared. Like all of a sudden, like my plan had just been thrown out the window and I felt sort of pressured into like moving forward with this. So she was like, well, let me check you and like see where you're at. Is it okay if we do like a cervical exam? So she checked me and she said that I was two centimeters dilated and that I was about 75 to 80% effaced. So she said I had like made good progress, but just that the baby just really needed to come out. They wanted me to go to the hospital that afternoon and I just really wasn't prepared for that. And she could tell I was just really uncomfortable. So she was like, you know what? Let's see if our doctor is available, like the head doctor of the practice. And so I went into another room and sat down with her and she just kind of told me like, you know, it's my job to tell you the risks and it's your job to kind of figure out what risks you're willing to take. And at that point, I'm a newly pregnant person. Like I have no idea. I just, I feel like I guess I'll go forward with the induction. Can I go to the hospital tomorrow? And they were okay with me going to the hospital the next day as long as they hooked me up to a fetal monitor and just made sure like the baby wasn't in distress. So I did all that and she was fine. And at that point, I didn't know I was having a boy or a girl. So baby was fine and we left the office. I called my doula and told her what was going on. And she, I could just tell by the tone in her voice, like, she didn't quite agree with like the rush of having to do the induction, but she was like, I'm here to support you with whatever you want to do. And, you know, I've been to tons of inductions. Like we're still going to be able to honor other parts of your birth plan. Like just try and relax this evening. And I want you to just like keep the lights dim and just like bounce on your ball and just try to relax. So I had also called my family and told them what was going on. You know, we dropped my dog off at their house and just try to prepare for the next day. And I tried to find the positives in it. So like, okay, like I know I'm going to be meeting my baby soon. I don't have to wait around and wait for labor to start. Like this is happening I and mean, I can kind of get everything ready and go to the hospital and not like I'm in the middle of contractions. So just like trying to be positive. So I got to the hospital the next day and I got there around seven and there was like a lot of other pregnant women like coming in who were in labor. So my medications didn't start until about 8.30. But when I had got there, my midwife came in and she's like, okay, so we're here for an induction. I'm going to break your water and we're going to start the medication. And I was like, nobody said anything about like breaking my water. Do I have to do that? You know? And she was like, if I break your water right now, you'll have the baby today. If I don't break your water I don't know. It might be tomorrow. And I was like looking at my husband like, oh God, like I was trying to remember back to like 
all the podcasts I was listening to, like, what should I do? And so I just went with my gut and I was like, I don't want my water broken. It's going to like get rid of that cushion that I have. And the baby's just going to be pushing down. And so I'm just going to wait. And so she did a cervical exam and she said that I was 85% effaced, three centimeters dilated and baby was at like a zero to plus one station. So she's like, your baby's head is like right there. That's a really good thing. Like, I think she's pretty well engaged. Then she told me the death of your labor is just going to be laying in this bed. And I was like, okay, like, that's why I got a doula. Like, I know she's going to help me to like, keep moving. I don't plan on just laying around here. And it just like really put me off and kind of made me mad because I didn't want to be there in the first place. And like, I just was like anxious, like I, this is not how I wanted my labor to go. And you're not really helping me to feel better about it. So they got me started on the Pitocin at 8.30 and I was hooked up to like a blood pressure cuff. I had the IV going. I had the fetal monitor on and it was like, I couldn't like travel far from it. And I just remember looking at my husband and being like, oh God, like I can't move around. Like this sucks. And my hemorrhoids were so bad that like bouncing on the ball hurt. But like, I knew that I just needed to kind of like keep moving. So I started feeling the contractions like immediately. I started to feel kind of dizzy and I was just kind of like leaning over the bed, just like swaying around. I was sucking on ice chips because I felt kind of nauseous. And then I ended up throwing up and the nurse came in and she was like, well, do you want some like IV Zofran? And I was like, yeah, might as well. Like I didn't want to be on this Pitocin anyway. And if that's what's causing me to be nauseous, like let's just get rid of it. So thankfully I did that and I didn't throw up again after that. And around 9.30, I, so about like an hour in, I was really like having to breathe through my contractions. And I was just a bit worried about like how intense that it felt like so quickly. Because I know like other people had been started on Pitocin and like nothing happened and they're on Pitocin for like hours and hours. So I just didn't really know what to expect. So my husband texted our doula and she got to the hospital around 10. And then by 10 o'clock, when she got there, I just felt like totally wiped out. I felt really exhausted and it was just really hard for me to like balance on the ball and like use my muscles. And I was like immediately regretting like not working out before I did this. Like I wish I was in better shape. And she was like, you know what? Your body is doing what it needs to do to conserve the energy that you need, like when you need it. So I don't want you to worry about that. Like you're going to be okay. You're going to have like the energy that you need. And I was like, okay. So she starts blowing up this like cub pillow stool that she had. It just like looked like a blow up stool. And she threw on music for us. She's like, I want you to just like dance with your husband and just like sway around the room. And so we did that. I just pretty much implicitly listened to everything that she told me to do. And most of the time I just kept my eyes closed and I like didn't say anything at all. I just felt like I I didn't want to talk, like I didn't want to say the things that I was really thinking, which were like really negative thoughts, like this is horrible, these contractions are really painful, like I can't believe people do this, like <laughs> I can't believe I did this, like why am I doing this? And so like she mainly just kept me moving. Okay, we're now we're going to, you know, go over here, now we're going to stand the bed up and you're going to stand and you're going to put your leg here and just like kept moving me around and I had to go to the bathroom, so I went to the bathroom and I did a couple contractions on the toilet. And then she was like, let's just put you in the bed. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, I just really want to get in that bed, you know? So she had put the cub pillow on the bed and I just kind of would 
like slump over this blow up thing in between all my contractions and just try to relax. And so at about 1150, I was like, I can't lean over this thing anymore. I have to like, I have to lay down. I just can't like use my muscles anymore. So I laid down and they put the peanut ball between my legs and they just kind of like move the ball as I was going through contractions and they were kind of switching me from one side to the other. And then I just remember just like in this like whiny voice, like, I think I'm peeing. Like, it feels like I'm peeing. And I was just embarrassed that I was peeing. Like I couldn't, like, I didn't feel strong enough to get up to go to the bathroom. And so she noticed that there was some blood in it. So she called the nurse and the nurse came back in. I don't even know how many people were in there changing me. They just kind of manhandled me and like got me cleaned up. My eyes were still closed. And then around 12 o'clock, I just felt this huge like gush of water. It was just like a big pop. And that was the first time I had just realized that, like I'm making progress. This is a good sign. Like I know my labor is progressing. Like before that, I was just so freaked out that like this was going to last forever and I just wasn't going to be able to tolerate it. And so after the, the my water broke, I started grunting like immediately. There was like all this pressure and my doula was like, tell me if you feel like you have to poop. And it to me, it just didn't feel like I had to poop. It just felt like, like a watermelon just like needed to come out of my vagina. So she called the nurse and she's like, we have grunting in here. Like we're grunting a lot. And so the nurse came back in and she was like, I, I need to check you. And I was like, can you just like wait till this contraction is over? And it just lasted forever. And she just like went in and checked me. And she was like, you're 10 centimeters and I just remember like flailing over the bed, like my legs were just like loosey goosey. And I just felt really out of control. Like mentally this whole time, I just felt really scared and really vulnerable. And like, I didn't want to say that I was feeling that way. And I definitely regret that later. And my doula wrote me a birth story. And in the birth story, she was telling me like how her and my husband were telling me like all these encouraging things like, you're doing great. Like, you're handling the contractions really well. And I don't, like, I don't remember any of that at all. I just remember thinking, like, I just want this to be over. Like, I just, like, can't stand being in this much pain anymore. I didn't think it was, like, going to hurt this bad. I thought I was, like, stronger. <laughs> I don't know, stronger than that. So they were like, you need to wait to start pushing. Like, we have to wait till your doctor gets here. So I was annoyed by that. And my doula just helped me to learn how to breathe. And I just kept like, like pushing out my breath so that I wouldn't push. And then finally they called in the laborist who, I guess my husband told me like pulled up a chair and just like sat there and just like waited for my doctors to get there. The physician in the office came in and they're like, okay, like you can start pushing. And when I started to push, like I was still like trying to breathe out through my breath and the doctor was like, uh-uh, like, you're not going to get anywhere doing that. Like, you need to hold your breath when you push. Like, you need to bear down and you need to really, like, push through all that pressure that you're feeling. So I was like, okay. Like, and I remember, like, moaning a lot. Like, I, my throat hurt, like, the next day. I was just, like, moaning a lot. And so I started to hold my breath while I was pushing and my doula was giving me water. I started off on my right side and pushed there for a few contractions. I just didn't feel comfortable, so I moved into child's pose, and I tried pushing like that for a while, and that just didn't feel right either. I ended up laying on my left side, and my husband was holding my leg up, 
and I was just like holding onto his arm. And I remember feeling like the hair on his arm and just like for the first time realizing that he was there. Like before that, I just like was totally in the zone. So I was like, okay, my husband is here. Like I can do this. Like I am just going to push as hard as I can. I pushed her head out first and then... They had told me like, oh, she has like a lot of hair on her head. And then it was a few contractions later, I was able to push out her body and Mark got to announce like, it's Cora, because we already picked out her name. Here she is. And she was born at 1, 2, 3, 4 p.m. And so the nurses were like, oh, that's such a lucky baby. (laughs) And yeah, she was born. It was over. (laughs) That was a really fast induction. So like four hours? Yes, four hours. Yeah. I had no idea like how long it had been. It felt like forever, but yeah, it was really quick. So they were like, wow, she was really ready to be born. Like she was ready to come out. And that kind of irritated me too, because I was like, well, then why did I have to be induced? Like, why couldn't I have just waited if she was so ready to come out? The midwife got to work on like doing the repair and kind of assessing what was going on. She had told me that I had a second degree tear to my perineum and then I had bilateral labia tears and she had to stitch all of those. So she went to work on stitching those, which was so painful. I mean, she numbed the area with like the lidocaine, but still like my vagina was getting stabbed with needles. I had the shakes really bad and I knew that that was normal, but there was something just very off-putting about holding my baby and like shaking uncontrollably and getting stabbed like that. So I wasn't like really prepared for that. And I just, I just kept holding my doula's hand. And after they had stitched everything up, that was when she said, like, you have a trickle of blood coming out. Like, I don't want you to hemorrhage. So we're going to give you this shot. I don't even remember what it's called, but they gave me the shot. Then out of nowhere, this is when they started like the fundal massage, which I didn't know was going to happen. I was like not prepared for it at all. And it hurt worse to me than the contractions did. And at least while I was having contractions, like I knew they were coming and I knew what it felt like for them to start. And man, they just like grabbed up there and just like started like pushing around. And it was just awful. It hurt so bad. And they just kept telling me like afterwards, like this is all completely normal. Like all your stitches are normal. I just couldn't shake this like feeling in my head that this did not feel right to me. Like I don't feel right. I feel terrible. I just am completely wiped out. It felt traumatic. And like, I didn't even want to use the word traumatic because everybody was telling me it was normal. When I tried to get up out of the bed, I got super dizzy and I got like really short of breath. And they were like, you know, this baby has been taking up so much space in your stomach for so long that like, it's going to take a while for your organs to like shift back to where they were. And like the shortness of breath will go away. But it just made it And obviously when you first stand up, like I just felt like everything was going to fall out. There was so much like pressure down there (laughs) and trying to sit in the little wheelchair and hold my baby and like wheel me to the other room with like these hemorrhoids that were just enormous. I had to like sit up on one of my feet and I was just like, oh man, this is, this is going to be rough, but I'm looking at my baby and I'm like, she's so beautiful. And like, I'm, I'm so like happy that she's here, but like, wow, this is really intense. What were some positive things about your birth? Cause you're kind of talking about a lot of things that you, mm-hmm. it seems like you wish were a little bit different because you, you are defining it as more of a traumatic experience, but was there anything really positive about your birth? 
Yeah, I mean, I definitely was so, so blessed to have my doula there. She was incredible. And that was something that my husband and I continued to talk about, like, for weeks and months after the birth, is how, like, thankful we were that she was there to guide us through that process and, like, be there for both of us. Like, my husband was like, I don't, I didn't know, like, what was going on. Like, the whole time I knew, like, in general, like that I need to be reassuring and be there for you. But like, I wouldn't have known what to do if she wasn't there. I was also happy that I didn't use pain medications. Like that was a big part of my plan. Like I don't want to have an epidural. And so I got that. I also got to hold her like right after she was born. They didn't like whisk away my placenta, like something was wrong with it. I just got to hold her and we got to delay cord clamping. And like, to me, those were really important things. And I was happy that I was able to achieve parts of my birth plan. So tell us about your postpartum journey. How was it transitioning into motherhood? So I spent uh, two full days at the hospital after the birth. That was mainly because of my hemorrhoids and like my lack of mobility. So my transition to motherhood really wasn't anything like what I was expecting. I think my body was a lot more like damaged than I thought it was going to be. Like physically, I didn't think I wasn't going to be able to like stand for periods of time or like I wasn't able to change a diaper at the hospital. I wasn't able to really like hold her unless I was sitting in the bed. And it was just really uncomfortable for me to find a position that I could sit or lay in. I just felt pretty anxious before even leaving the hospital. I was still short of breath and they were checking my blood pressure and everything was normal and I just physically didn't feel like I could take care of like an infant, let alone like all of the things that I felt like I needed to do to try and nurse my own body back to health. I was just nervous going home. But once we got home, I I had this idea in my head that like I wanted this like newborn baby bubble where it was just going to be us at home together, like figuring things out, just like working together. Like I knew I wasn't going to get good sleep. And I knew it was going to be hard, but I just really like wanted that quality time with each other. Like we're never going to get this time again. So that was my plan. And like, that was the plan that I had wrote in my birth plan, like my my postpartum plan with my doula. And we had done some like meal prep pretty much like after we spent the night at home with even like less sleep, I woke up the next morning, just like crying. (laughs) And I was like, I need so much help. I need my mom. Like I need my parents to come over I need them to live with us for like a period of time. I just like, I really need some help. It wasn't hard for me to admit that. Like I knew that I needed it. Like this bubble that I thought we were going to have just wasn't going to happen, but it's okay. So my parents came over and my in-laws were really helpful too. So everybody was coming over and basically like I would breastfeed baby and then hand her off to somebody else and they would hold her while she slept. And then I would try and do what I needed to do. Like do a sits bath or take a bath or try and take a nap, eat food, all those things. But I just kept like running into all these problems. So I was super nauseous and I didn't know why I was so nauseous. And so I ended up calling the doctor's office. I'm like, I am hardly eating like any food and I just can't like really, I don't have the appetite. And so like, you know, when you're taking ibuprofen at higher quantities, like you have to eat it with food. So that could be causing your nausea. So I was like, okay, well, I'll try and eat more food like when I'm taking the Zofran. So I was trying to like remedy all of these things, 
while like changing all these ice pack pads and trying to get rest, my hemorrhoids got really, really bad. Like I didn't think they were going to get worse, but they did. So I went to go sit down on the toilet and I looked down and one of my hemorrhoids was just like spraying blood into the toilet. And I just freaked out. I was like, how is this happening? I don't, I don't know what to do. And so I, like my husband was with Cora and I called him into the room and he handed me the baby and I just laid on the bed and I was like, take a look at what's going on. Like, I don't know what to do right now. It's just bleeding and like, I don't know if I should put something on it or what. So he's like, check it out my butt. And I'm just crying. Like, this is so, like, this is not what I was expecting at all. Like, this physical pain is so much more than I thought it was going to be. So I called the doctor again and I'm like crying to the nurse on the phone. Like these hemorrhoids are terrible. It's really hard for me to breastfeed. Like I can barely sit and now it's bleeding. And she was like, honey, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm sorry, this is happening. You just need to keep putting the medication on it. And you know, the, the midwives are not going to refer you to a GI doctor like until your six-week appointment. Like You just need to give your body some time. I know that that's hard to hear, but you need to give your body some time to heal. And at that point, I was like, I'm not going to make it. Like My body is just not going to like survive this. I already was feeling just really anxious about my physical like ailments. So all this is happening, you know, like I'm not eating, I'm still experiencing this shortness of breath and my heartbeat just like racing. So I was just really uncomfortable. Like every time I would stand up, I was like huffing and puffing and like trying to like get my breath back. And everybody could tell I was just really uncomfortable. It got to the point where I would try to go lay down and I would start getting cold chills I could just feel my heart beating, my hands would start to go numb, and my mind was just like racing. I couldn't turn it off. It was like how I would imagine like somebody who is manic is just like thinking, thinking, thinking. I would have like a theme song to a TV show stuck in my head, and then I would think about like checking on Cora and she wouldn't be breathing, or I would hear her cry, and it would just kind of like set me off. I was thinking about Mark going back to work. It was just like all these thoughts that I just like couldn't like calm down. And I would just lay in bed just like feeling this. Well, what it was, this was a panic attack. And I didn't realize that I was having the panic attacks. When this would happen, I would just try everything that I could. I would do like deep breathing exercises. I was putting on essential oils. I was like listening to like a guided imagery. I was praying I was using a sound machine. My dad was like, how about I just like give you a back massage? And so we were doing all of these things and like I just couldn't relax. And so my mind just got into this really negative thought cycle. Like you're not getting better physically. You're not sleeping. Like what are you going to do if you can't sleep? Like you're not going to be able to take care of yourself. You're not going to be able to take care of your baby. And I just started really feeling like a failure, like I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't know how so many women like have babies and they just, they, I don't know. Like, I just didn't make sense to me. Like, I didn't know anybody that was, had experienced this. And so my family was just trying to be really supportive. And they're like, Holly, like you just had a baby. Like you had a baby, your body like needs time to heal. Just give yourself some grace. Like Cora is going to grow and she's going to start to sleep better and it'll be easier. Like it'll get easier this is such a special time. Like you should be like 
just trying to cherish this as much as you can. And I just like couldn't shake this feeling that like this was the worst experience like I've ever had. And it's like a nightmare and I just like can't get out of it. And it was at that point that I realized that like there's something more going on here. And as the next few days went on, this was only about like a week, a week and a half in. About a week and a half in is when my like intrusive thoughts started to really like escalate. My little sister was in town. She had just had a baby three months before I did. And I was like so glad that she was there. I was just like talking to her and like telling her my story. And it really was helping me to just like unload and just talk about my experience. And I just kind of broke down and I was like, you know, I just have to be honest about how I'm feeling. Like, I don't think I can survive this. I am to the point where I just truly feel like I'm dying and it's not even that I'm dying. It's that like, I, I want to die. Like somebody needs to take Cora. I cannot like take care of her anymore. Like, I can't believe I did this. Like, why did I, why did I do this? Like, it was just like such regret and also like guilt and shame because like, this is supposed to be happy. This is supposed to be special. And it just like, wasn't special. And I, wanted to love her like so much. And I think I was like telling myself that I loved her, but like I told my sister, like, I hate her. I hate her. I can't like stand the sound of her. I don't want to be around her. Everything is just like too hard for me at this point. And I don't know what to do. And she was like, Holly, like, this is not normal. Like the things that you're telling me are not like things that you, you should be thinking and they are real to you. And Like, it's okay that you just, you need to call your doctor, like call your doctor right now. And I was like, okay. Because also at this point, I had stopped making decisions. All I was thinking about doing was breastfeeding my baby and trying to sleep. And it's like, I had tunnel vision. Like there was, I just couldn't like think about anything else. So I called my doctor. I made an appointment. I went in. It was either that day. They like got me in right away. And I filled out the depression assessment and it was just like off the charts. I felt like embarrassed that I didn't, I just couldn't believe that I really like didn't recognize that that's what was happening. I was so convinced that it was my physical symptoms. Like I just needed to get my physical symptoms under control and then I would feel better. Even at Cora's like first doctor's appointments, which were extremely hard for me to go to, my husband like saw a poster on the door that was like one in seven women you know, experienced depression and anxiety. And he was like, hey, do you think that's what's going on here? And I don't think I was in denial. I was just really convinced that like, it's my hemorrhoids, it's my stitches, it's it's like the nausea that was like holding me back from feeling better and feeling capable. And so at the doctor's appointment, I had told the doctor, you know, I am thinking really negative thoughts about like hurting Cora. And the thoughts just keep like popping into my head, but I I don't feel like I'm going to act on them. And she was like, I just need you to tell me, like, do you feel like you need to go to the hospital, like, and, and do your treatment, like at a facility instead of going home? And I desperately did not want to go to a facility. I wanted to be able to stay home. And so I was like, no, I think, I think I can do this. I, I know that I don't want to act on those things. And so, like, I want to try and go home. And at this point, too, Cora hadn't been gaining weight. So she wasn't, like, breastfeeding was not going well. And so we were going to start her on formula, like, that day. 
everybody else can feed her and I can just like stop breastfeeding as much as I didn't want to do that. I just didn't have a choice. I couldn't like, I couldn't continue doing it. They prescribed me Zoloft and just said, you know, if these thoughts get any worse, you need to go to the ER. Like, don't mess around with this. You need to take care of yourself. And I was like, okay. So I went home and unfortunately, like that night, things just continued to get worse because the medication Zoloft takes like six, could take up to six weeks to really work. And so I knew it wasn't going to be an immediate fix, but I thought that if I didn't have the responsibility of taking care of Cora, that I could just like settle down and like relax. Like she's right now, she's not your responsibility. Like just focus on yourself. But that night, again, I couldn't sleep and my intrusive thoughts just like escalated. So she was sleeping in the room and I would just like hear a noise and I would just get these visions in my head of me just like violently just like hitting her like over and over. And I was like, stop thinking these things like this. Just stop. Like this is not really happening. And then I felt nauseous. I got up. I threw up and I just felt like really physically weak at that point. Like I couldn't. I was just like shaking, like kind of like shaking on the bathroom floor, like, okay, just like go back to bed, like lay in bed. And then like, just as the night went on and hearing Cora even more and more, I, I don't think like I need to be here anymore. I, you need to call my dad. Like at this point, like I want to kill myself. I cannot stand another second being in this home. Like I'm not safe here anymore. I was just thinking about like, how many pills is it going to take? Like, we are gun owners. So I'm like, where are the guns? Like, told my husband, you just need to hide the guns and call my dad. Like, don't leave me alone. Like, I don't trust myself. And he was like, uh, okay, I'll do it. So he called my parents and everybody just kind of like rushed to the house. And my husband took me to the ER. And I just, you know, told them everything that had been happening. And I was a very, at that point, I was just very kind of numb. Like I was still crying about the intrusive thoughts, but I was like no longer like emotionally connected to Cora like at all. And the physician was like, I don't want you to go to a facility if you're going to miss your baby. Are you sure that this is what you want? Like you want to go to an inpatient facility? And I was like, yes, I I'm not like safe to be around my daughter. I don't even feel safe, like even when she's not there. And it was just such a horrible realization of like how how bad things had gotten and like how out of control it felt. And I just, yeah, for the longest time kept trying to tell myself that it wasn't real. And once I was at the hospital, it was like, this is really happening. Like this is really, this has been two weeks, you know, this has all escalated so quickly and it was awful. It was an awful like living nightmare experience. So I was at the hospital and it really didn't take that long. I mean, typically I think when you go to the ER, I'm thinking it's going to be like an all day thing, but they got me um, transferred to the facility, which was in the town that I live in probably within like three hours. So my husband just pretty much drove me straight over there. He wasn't allowed to come in with me. But I was like, you know what? This is like the right thing to do. And I told him like exactly what to bring me. Like I need like these sweatpants, like these kinds of underwear, just like told him what to bring me. There was a lot of restrictions. Like I wasn't allowed to have anything with like um, 
tie in it. They don't want you to have things that you could hurt yourself with. So he went back home and packed a bag for me. And when I got there, there was just like this amazing behavioral tech who like greeted me at the door and she was like, honey, like, I'm so proud of you, like for being here. And I just like busted out crying because it was so hard, like, um, leaving my husband behind, like leave my family at a time when like, I felt like I should have been the one like holding everybody together. I went in and I was like assessed by a nurse practitioner and like did all this intake paperwork for the first 24 hours. I had to wear these like paper scrubs. So I wasn't allowed to wear my own clothes, which was also very, I guess, just like shocking. It was like, I just had a baby and I just feel so exposed and my body is still healing. The environment was very structured. My door to the room was locked. And so I had to ask permission, like anytime I had to go into the room to like change my pad or, and at this point I wasn't breastfeeding. So the nurse at the hospital was like, wear a really tight sports bra and just like try and like, don't touch your boobs at all. (laughs) Like just let them try and dry up. That was sad for me too. It was like so much like grieving that I had to do. Like just like the loss of leaving my family, the loss of breastfeeding, not being able to do that anymore. And immediately when I got there, I was like, I think I might've made a mistake. Like, I don't know if this is the best place for me. I just felt really scared and and unsafe at that point. But the behavioral texts that were there were really comforting and like sat down and talked to me and just tried to tell me like, it's okay to feel uncomfortable and uneasy at first, but like, you'll see, you'll see, like you just need to wait and see. And plus, I was going to be started on my medications under supervision. And so if I was having like anxiety or like a panic attack, there were people there all the time that I could talk to, like professionals that were able to like walk me through it and just be there with me. So I'd say after about 24 hours, I realized like this is exactly what I need. And it wasn't until 24 hours later that I was really able to like let go and start like crying I could barely even finish a sentence without just bursting out into tears. And I think I was just holding it all in when I was at home. You can't let this out right now. You just need to like be there for your family. You just need to be there for your your child. And I was doing intensive therapy like three to four times a day in a group. And so I was the only person there who like had postpartum, but other people were dealing with the same things that I was like having really intrusive thoughts and feeling out of control and like they just couldn't function in their lives. And that's how I felt. I can't function. I can't stop these thoughts from racing. And I just was able to like turn my focus to myself and stop the negative thought patterns that were going on and just accept that like you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. It was really important for me to try and focus on my sleep. When you don't have sleep, like your mental health like really declines. And so I had started a medication, Trazodone, to help me sleep at night. I mean, it was it was starting to work for me and once I was able to get a couple nights of sleep, it really helped me to feel a lot more clear and I could start like processing more of like what had happened. Something that was like really important to me was that my doula had brought me a book that was called This Isn't What I Expected, Overcoming Postpartum Depression. And in the book, 
I had so much time on my hands there because I was just like not able to talk on the phone really. And there was all these groups going on. So I started to read this book and there were a checklist of like, do you think you have postpartum depression? And then it went through this whole checklist of things like that someone might be feeling. And I just remember feeling so much more validated seeing that like, this is exactly what this is. This is what is happening. Like, do you feel like you're dying? Do you feel like you're going to have a heart attack? Do you feel like you, you know, can't catch your breath? It was just all of these things that just made me feel like so much more comfortable with what had been happening. Like you could put a name to what you were experiencing and it just cleared up a lot of the confusion that I had. My husband would come to visit me during the visiting hours Part of my process was just I had so much fear now about resuming my role as a mother. And what if I went home and I, those thoughts just like come flooding back? Or what if I see her and I don't feel this like love and connection towards her? My mother in law had been taking, like, she had moved into the house at this point and she was taking care of Cora because Mark had to go back to work. And I was so thankful that she was there. And then the more days that I was in the facility, I started to get like mad that somebody else was taking care of her and not me. And my therapist was like, yes, like you're getting like your power back. Like you, you want to be there as her mother. And I think this is like a huge like turning point for you. And I was kind of like, yeah, yeah. Like I, I want to take care of my daughter, you know, like I want to be there for her. And so my husband brought in like this, like three pages, like of a collage of pictures. And so one was like all pictures of like me and Cora, like that we had taken like in the first like couple days to week that she was home. And then another page was like pictures of me and my friends. And then another page was pictures of my husband and I. Like you don't realize, like I didn't really realize how much like I was just like a shell of myself. I wasn't me, like I wasn't me at all. And so looking at those pictures, like kind of gave me hope that like, you're going to be this person again, like you're going to be yourself again. And yeah, it's going to take some time, but like, this isn't going to last forever. And I like actually started to believe it before I had just lost all hope, but now it's just like starting to get it back. And it just like, it felt so good. Like the first day I was at the inpatient unit, I was like, I never want to leave this place. Like, this is what I need. I feel so safe here. And I never thought that I would want to go back home. And then on that last day when they were like, you can go home, it was like, you know what? I feel ready. Like, I feel ready to leave this place. Like, I've made so much progress. And like, I'm just so thankful that like I had this opportunity and I, I could do this because without it, I truly felt like I wouldn't have made it. So the psychiatrist that I had been talking to every day was like, you know, do you have like a place that you can go maybe before you jump right back into going to your house? And so my parents agreed to let me come to their house and stay with them as I kind of like transitioned back. I just felt so fortunate that I could do that. It gave me a lot more time to get more sleep and just kind of like figure out how to be outside and not such a structured environment. So when I got to their house, I started working back like on my physical health, which had really declined since I had been in the facility. 
And then Mark would bring Cora over to the house for like a couple of hours. And I just remember like being so scared before that first time she came over. What am I going to feel like? What's this going to be like? And I just remember holding her and I just immediately felt like so much better. Like, yes, this is right. I do love her. Like, she's my daughter and like, I need to be here for her. And I was so relieved that I didn't feel like all those negative things. And so that was just the start. And then I slowly like started to come back home and spend more time there. I actually like redecorated our whole room because that was kind of the room that I was having like all of my traumatic like thoughts in and all my panic attacks in. And I was scared to sleep back in my bed because I thought, you know, all this stuff is going to come back again. And so I took the time to like go shopping and redecorate. It did make a difference for me. Like it didn't feel like the same room. This was just like going to be a different experience. This was going to be better. And it was. And so my birthday was April 23rd. And the night before my birthday was the first night I came back home and spent the night and woke up the next day of my birthday and spent the whole day with them. And it was, I mean, it was still hard. I still had my moments. Like the nighttime was when I had my worst bouts of anxiety and Mark could see that. He could tell, like, I just got more anxious at night in anticipation of all the things that had happened. But I had such an amazing support system of people that were like picking up meds from the pharmacy, like bringing things over to the house, spending time with me and Cora. So like even Mark's mom stayed with us when I came back home so that I wasn't alone with her until I really felt like comfortable to do that and like confident that I knew like what her schedule was and like how to take care of her. And even when I came home to my husband and I were going to couples therapy and we were doing it on telehealth, which was great because I didn't have to like leave the house and worry about that stuff. And it just really helped him to understand like where I was coming from and for him to figure out like what I need. So like I prioritized my sleep and we just worked our schedules around when I had to take my medication to help me sleep and he would do his shift. And then by the time like the medication had worn off, I would wake up and do my shift. So it was like a journey. It was, it's been a real journey. And I probably started to feel more like myself. I would say it took about two months, but I feel like that really wasn't a long amount of time in the grand scheme of things. And I really started to finally be able to enjoy being a mother. And I love being a mother and I love all the things that I get to do now. I'm a stay-at-home mom. And so I feel like I've been able to sort of like get that time back. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I don't know if it's hard for you to tell your story, but we really appreciate you taking the time to share it with us and with our listeners. Do you have any advice for others that may be in a similar situation as you or for family members that may be recognizing signs of postpartum depression or issues postpartum with mental health? Yeah, I think for someone, for a mother, if you are going through like any of these things, if the things that you're going through are not as serious as what I'm going through, I think it's important to recognize the signs. It was like hard for me. It was it was a challenge to to realize that I didn't recognize the signs. And so telling my story, I hope in part helps people to recognize 
some of the things that they may be experiencing or what's going on. For me, my advice would be to read. Like, I think for me, reading that book was extremely helpful. Going to therapy was extremely helpful and a part of my recovery. And I think sharing my story is also part of that recovery. It is a hard story to tell publicly to so many people. Like, I feel really comfortable talking to other people about it in like a smaller setting. But I think like in trying to work past like all of the history that I have with this whole birth, like I just have to share it with other people. And so I think it's important for you to talk about it and to tell people what's going on and prioritize your mental health over whatever else is going on, which is hard to do because you imagine when you first have a baby that this is all about motherhood and it's all about like taking care of someone else. But when you are not well, you cannot take care of someone else. So Another thing is just really like embracing those positive affirmations and breaking your negative thought cycles. You are a good mother, even though you have postpartum depression, and it's not your fault that you have these postpartum issues. Your body just did like a crazy thing and your hormones do crazy things to your brain to tell yourself that you believe that you're going to be yourself again. Don't be afraid to take medications. The medications were amazing for me, and I was scared to start taking them. Like, is this going to change who I am? Am I going to be a different version of myself? And I think to some degree you are a different version of yourself, but you are you are better. And I think my advice for partners and families is to also educate yourself to identify the things that someone is going through and to validate what they're feeling. So like Validation is so important. Like, I am hearing what you're saying, and I just, I can't imagine like feeling that way. I'm so sorry that you're feeling that way. This isn't your fault. Like, I'm going to be here to support you, and I'll do whatever like we need to do for you to feel like yourself again. It's important, like, to give them time to process and realize that, like, you're not your best self right now, and it's okay. Like, I'm going to try and pick up some slack, and, you know, we're going to, try and have a better understanding for what each other is going through. I remember being really scared for my husband. You have this new baby at home. I'm not there to help. Like I was just really scared that he was going to obviously like burn out or like build up some resentments or I don't know, just like never want to have a child again because of this experience. And I think the therapy really helped him to like process everything he had been going through and all the weight that was put on his shoulders to see your wife just like totally broke down. Like I'm a strong person, like I'm a strong, confident person. And like, I went from being this professional to just like, yeah, not, not doing well. And it's just hard to see somebody that you love really struggle like that. So I think just like using your resources and educating yourself and just listening and trying not to fix the situation, just listening and and reassuring them that like, you'll be yourself again. Like it'll take time, but you're going to be yourself. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, Holly. I know that other people that are listening to this are going to benefit from you taking the time to share your story. So thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much for having me and listening to me kind of blather on about everything. It's a lot of information. If you find that you're experiencing similar symptoms to Holly or you're experiencing new severe or persistent symptoms, please contact your healthcare provider or go to the nearest emergency room. Those symptoms are most commonly seen in the first few weeks after birth. They can occur any time within that first year after birth.
Emotional, behavioral, and cognitive changes may be caused. So feelings of sadness and anxiety, sleeping less or sleeping more, eating less or eating too much, unexplained anxiety, irritation or anger, sudden mood changes, poor concentration, recurrent thoughts of death and suicide, and just feeling disconnected with not just your baby, yourself, and potentially others around you. Seeking care immediately through the emergency room or to your healthcare provider is recommended. You are not alone. And just because you are experiencing this does not make you less of a parent or mother. Thank you for joining us today and listening to this episode. If you want more support throughout your pregnancy, join our prenatal fitness programs and childbirth education course. If you need more support after birth, join our postpartum fitness programs and education courses. If you're a professional, we offer birth worker and fitness trainer courses so you can learn from us and earn CEUs. Explore all of our courses on our website at mamastayfit.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow our podcast to be notified when we release new episodes, leave a review, and share with your friends. We release new episodes every Wednesday and new birth stories every Friday.